you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. Coming up. The probable case count that we had as of yesterday was 83 and 2 positive. American Samoa lifts its measles emergency declaration. Also, Bougainville's road to independence still hangs in the balance. And later on... Cold weather's good. You get out and you get warm and you get going and it'll be good. The boys will enjoy it. Will the Fijian draw be sailing to the Super Rugby Finals or will they be sailing back home? We find out tomorrow. American Samoa's Department of Health epidemiologist says he's comfortable supporting the end of the measles emergency declaration, which is set to end today. The U.S. Territory's governor extended the declaration last month until June 8th, local time. Since April 24th, American Samoa has been under a state of emergency, which led to daycare centres and schools temporarily closing. There's been 83 probable and two positive cases recorded throughout the outbreak. Epidemiologist Scott Anessi says the Territory was waiting on test results, which have now returned negative before lifting the declaration. He speaks with Caleb Fotheringham about the current situation. So we've received the last bit of testing that we were waiting for and they were negative, uh, which will now put us three incubation periods of negative testing during active surveillance. As such, we will be reclassifying some of the probable cases as we receive further testing on those samples just to evaluate if it, if it wasn't measles, you know, what exactly we were dealing with. But aside from that, as in after action type of of process, we are recommending that with the testing parameters and and with the outbreak response uh, that we are comfortable and supporting that uh, we end uh, the emergency declaration for measles and continue to lift all restrictions. We will then move measles out of active surveillance back into the notifiable disease surveillance process as usual. And that will happen today, is that correct? The meeting will likely happen sometime this morning. The clinicians and and uh, the, the department officials uh, will be discussing uh, the matter with the government. Now, as to the official end of the declaration, that will be the government of American Samoa, uh, the governor's office, that will decide that. Just back on the probable cases and the reclassification, so do you have new numbers in terms of how many probable measles cases there are? The probable case count that we had as of yesterday was 83 probable and two positive. But if the hierarchy decides that uh, we end active surveillance and that those would be the final numbers for this campaign and then the after action report which will be done within the next couple of weeks will make recommendations on reclassifying those cases as uh, test results come in for other organisms. But you have got some of your test results back now is that right? So we do have the last round of testing that was negative. Now there is further testing, as you can imagine, different labs, different tests, etc. Because now instead of ordering measles, we're ordering, you know, panels of a host of different things that meet the case definition or have the same symptoms. And so that process can be a little bit lengthy. But we are encouraged that uh, we have not had a active positive measles case within the, the, the time frame. I see. And those other things that you're testing for, is that things like the common flu? Yes, absolutely. So common cold, the rhinoviruses, influenza, etc., even COVID, you know, there's respiratory diseases, 
there's uh, enteroviruses, there's a, a whole list of panels um, that uh, have uh, even like dengue, uh, arboviruses, chick, uh, Zika, those types of things would fit kind of our case definition. And so there's other tests that need to be ordered. There's logistic issues with that. But as that process is going, we wanted to make sure that uh, we focused on um, the measles declaration and what we're going to be transitioning into. Papua New Guinea's Minister of Bougainville Affairs is expected to make a parliamentary statement about the region's progress towards independence next Tuesday. This is in lieu of the expected tabling of the Bougainville independence referendum. But the Bougainville Minister for Independence Mission Implementation, Ezekiel Mazat, says before that can happen, additional parliamentary procedures need to be put in place. Mr Mazat told Don Wiseman that a sessional order needs to be authorised to alter standing orders so the documents can be presented. The technical teams and the two governments have to yet tick off on that resolution. And that's the reason why the minister can't quite as yet bring that matter to the parliament. But having said that, uh, the minister is of the view that, and I agree, that the uh, Processes of tabling the referendum result and other relevant documents will happen towards the end of the year. So that is uh, on track. We are not fussy about what uh, next week's statements will bring. We are looking forward to that statement because it will point us uh, in the direction of where there is a gap between uh, our understanding and uh, that of the national government. So we're looking forward to the uh, statement the Prime Minister has indicated explicitly, and I have had a meeting with the uh, Minister for Bougainville Affairs, Honorable uh, Manase Makiba, and he has agreed that the NEC would clear his ministerial statement on Monday and he would present that statement on Tuesday. And that is also what the Prime Minister has uh, verbally communicated to the uh, Bougainville team. When you talk about a sessional order, what do you mean? There are various processes under the standing order, including motions. Sessional order is, is a rarely used procedure. Our fear is if the matter is introduced into Parliament by way of an ordinary motion, other factors might come in where it might potentially affect the outcome of our good intentions between the Minister and, and myself and Bougainville and Papua New Guinea. So through the sessional order, we need to tick off on the, uh, on the language that goes into the sessional order so Parliament is guided in terms of how it can deal with the matter. Our main uh, concern is that if it proceeds by way of an ordinary motion, we would be all over place in terms of trying to achieve what Bougainville governments and the uh, national government want to achieve, and that is making sure that the parliament is uh, confined to matters that are ticked off in the sessional order. It's a matter then of parliament essentially coming to some understanding about what it's going to do once the referendum results are tabled. That's correct, yes, that's correct. Also, uh, being mindful of the, of the fact that there are other consultations outcomes where uh, the two governments have agreed that uh, independence should be uh, achieved not before 2025 and no later than 2027. It's not just the tabling of the results. It's, it's also the tabling of consultations outcomes and a joint report from the two governments. The ABG is very emphatic about... It wants independence and it wants it by 2027 at the latest. 
there've been divergent views from among the PNG politicians uh, over the last few years. Do you have any sense at this point just how people are leaning generally? In the last house, there was a uh, an exercise where we had a feel of where generally members would be going in this particular house, the 11th house. Uh, we also are aware of certain stands that certain uh, party leaders and uh, individual members are leaning towards. But having said that, there's an agreement of the mind also between myself and the minister that starting almost immediately, and that's after he's uh, given his statement, that the national parliamentary uh, members would be taken through a number of workshops so that they are fully informed of the Bougainville uh, issue. And uh, I, I got an indication from the minister also that during his speech, he will be calling for the reinventing of the uh, Parliamentary Committee on Bougainville Affairs, the bipartisan committee. Now, we had a bipartisan committee prior to the referendum, and the minister is leaning towards uh, reactivating a parliamentary committee, bipartisan parliamentary committee, that uh, will take on the task of also informing the national members and also the general populace. Now, the minister himself, the Minister of Bougainville Affairs, Mr Makiba, has in the past at least, he's been strongly opposed to an independent Bougainville, hasn't he? I haven't been uh, in receipt of that strong position. All I can say is that he's been echoing what the Prime Minister has been saying, and, and that is properly bringing the matters into Parliament and allowing the national members to deal with the issue. And in my dealings with him over the, since his appointment, I've seen a very progressive minister who is serious in properly bringing the matters before Parliament and educating the national members so that when they finally deal with the matter, that they are fully informed and have the relevant information uh, in order to make that final step. Population would now contain only non-contentious issues. So uh, for me, it's all systems go. I, I see a clear path towards uh, the minister performing and discharging his constitutional responsibilities. In sports, the Fijian Drew are facing one of the toughest challenges in Super Rugby in their upcoming quarterfinal. The Drew play the Crusaders in Christchurch tomorrow. A fine afternoon is forecast, but with kick-off two hours after sunset, it will be very cold at Orange Theory Stadium. However, Fijian Drew coach McBurn isn't worried. Like the cold weather, it'll, be, it'll probably be harder for the coaches and the management sitting on the sideline than the players. I think the players, once you get out on the field, actually the cold weather's good. You get out and you get warm and you get going and it'll be good. The boys will enjoy it. I'm sure that they'll appreciate the coolness in the air rather than the heat of Suva or Latoka. I don't see it being an issue at all. Tonga's Ikaretahi head coach, Dotai Kefu, believes his side will be packing some serious X-factor heading into the pool of death at the 2023 Rugby World Cup. The friendly islanders are in Pool C alongside champion South Africa, world number one ranked Ireland and Scotland and Romania. But Tegefu is confident in the calibre of players eligible to make the trip with him this year and says they're up for the challenge. RNZ Pacific senior sports journalist Elias Satora spoke with Dotai Kefu. What about Tonga's chances at, at the World Cup in the pool that you were in? How, how do you see that, uh, Tutai? 
Oh, look, it's a tough pool. I mean, we've got the best team in the world, Ireland first, then we've got Scotland, then we've got South Africa, and then we've got Romania. So all really hard games. Um, it's going to be tough against Ireland and Scotland. But, yeah, we've got, we've got a new team now. We've got some X factor. We'll be able to throw some punches. Um, so, yeah, I think we just have to come up with a really good game plan and a blueprint to win. Tonga will play their opening World Cup game against Ireland in Nantes on September 16th. Kefu had yet to announce his final squad when we spoke, but says some one Pacifica players have proven themselves worthy of a call-up for international duties. So we're going to take um, you know, a good portion of those Tongan players from Moana to the World Cup, as, as you would think. And, and those players we've watched closely after the last two years have improved significantly. Moana Pacifica's 2023 captain, Solomon Funaki, who won three awards at the Moana Pacifica 2023 Awards evening in Auckland on Tuesday, June 6, is a top contender for a World Cup spot with the Kaletahi. Funaki could also be in the running as Ikaletahi captain at the World Cup. A lot of interest is also focused on former international players who had played for either the New Zealand All Blacks or the Australian Wallabies. This includes Europe-based players Malakai Fekitoa, Israel Folau, Charles Piutau, George Moala and Vaya Fifita, who had coach Totai Kefu says uh, all in line for consideration. Yeah, look, those those players are um, um, busy undergoing training at the moment. We'll, we'll announce the team at the end of the week. This is the first Rugby World Cup that Pacific Island rugby stars who have played for other countries have become available to play for their heritage nations. This is thanks to World Rugby's new eligibility rules that allow players to play for their home nations, providing there has been a three-year stand-down period since their last appearance for another national side. Once the Kaletahi have been named, the squad members will assemble in Nukualofa in early July. Tonga has a warm-up game against Australia A at the Fiverr Park on July 14th before the Pacific Nations Cup Series with Fiji, Samoa and Japan. Their final friendlies before the World Cup in France are two tests against Canada in front of their home fans in Nukualofa in August. Tonga has played at the 2007, 2011, 2015 and 2019 Rugby World Cups but have been eliminated in the pool stages at all the four events. With the new eligibility rules, there is a silent confidence in the Kaletahi camp that 2023 could be their year to create history. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rndi.com slash programs. You can also download us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts from. So from myself and the team here at RNZ Pacific, Pafitai Telelava, Tofasoi Fua.